Hi, this is Thomas Fischer. Welcome to the Market Outlook podcast. This is July 7th, 2020. Global equity posted their best quarterly gains in 20 years in the second quarter, following a collapse sparked by business closures in March through May because of COVID-19. Equities and other risk-based assets surged off the March 23 lows, the worst global economic downturn since the Great Depression, plummeting corporate earnings and rising geopolitical tensions have done little to slow the relentless advance of stocks since late March. Gold extended its post-2016 bull market in the second quarter, briefly breaching $1,800 an ounce in late June and trading at its highest level since 2011. The Federal Reserve, European Central Bank, Bank of Japan, Bank of England and other central banks are largely responsible for turning financial markets around in late March following a rapid implementation of emergency lending measures, massive asset purchases and paycheck protection programs. Global fiscal and monetary support has been mind-blowing since March. Morgan Stanley notes that the central banks of the G4 countries, US, Japan, Europe and UK will collectively expand their balance sheets by 28% of GDP over this cycle. The equivalent number during the 2008 financial crisis was 7%. And fiscal deficits are surging too. Across the G4 and China, Morgan Stanley forecast deficits will hit 17% of GDP in 2020. Goldman Sachs, in another study, claims virus relief spending has resulted in global debt levels soaring to the highest level since World War II to more than 150% of GDP. The Federal Reserve is probably going to introduce yield control measures last used during World War II, already implemented by the Bank of Japan and most recently introduced by the Reserve Bank of Australia in 2020. Yield caps serve to limit fluctuations in government bond prices. Skeptics of yield curve control tools contend that artificially holding down yields removes a key function of bond markets. This is yet another tool in the Fed's toolbox since the financial crisis in 2008 and moves the central bank closer to nationalizing bond markets. In Europe, the ECB is already the largest owner of government-issued bonds and increasingly investment-grade securities. The Fed is already engaged in purchasing some of the largest investment-grade and junk-rated bond ETFs since last spring, distorting credit prices and delaying the day of reckoning for some companies that should go bankrupt. The Fed continues to allow the largest US banks to pay dividends, but has suspended share buybacks. JP Morgan Chase, Citigroup, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley intend to continue paying shareholder dividends, but Wells Fargo is expected to cut its dividend for the first time in more than 10 years to preserve capital amid COVID-19. Wells is also the worst performing stock among the major six US banks. According to the Fed's latest stress tests following the outbreak of the pandemic, 33 of the biggest American banks could face as much as $700 billion in loan losses amid a protracted downturn. Eurozone household savings hit a record in May at $8.2 trillion, drawing a warning from ECB President Christine Lagarde. 
the ECB bus, ECB bus warned that a full, full economic recovery would be laid by consumers inclined to save and thereby cutting purchases. In June, the ECB boosted its emergency bond purchase program by 672 billion to 1.5 trillion. The ECB also reported that lending rose sharply because of COVID-19, with credit to euro area residents rising by 295 billion. The Bank of England recently increased the target for its bond buying program to 935 billion US from 722 billion in late June. In Ju- July, UK 30-year gilts, i.e. government bonds, yielded less than benchmark Japanese government bonds for the first time in more than 30 years, yielding a negative interest rate. The euphoria gripping financial markets this summer is bound to cool off as, a, as we approach US presidential election in November. The prospect of the Republicans losing the Senate this fall and the possibility of a Biden victory over President Trump won't be bullish for equities as tax rates climb, deficits accelerate, and pressure from left-leaning Democrats possibly force a major economic agenda U-turn. The US dollar index recovered 1.2% from its June low and is off 6.2% from its multi-year high in late March when the pandemic struck financial markets. Year-to-date, the USD index is up 1%, but it's unchanged over the past 12 months, suggesting some consolidation has begun since April. For the most part, however, the dollar remains strong and has run circles around most foreign currencies this year, except the yen, Swiss franc, Swedish kroner, Taiwan dollar and Filipino peso. Currently at 97.15, the USD index is below its 200-day and 50-day moving averages and could slide lower. A level below 90 would confirm a new trend lower. The prospect of a Republican presidential defeat in November might be the trigger for a dollar bear market, the first such occurrence since 2001. In June, the US dollar fell into negative territory against the euro for the first time this year. Gold and silver are finally rallying together for the first time in almost a decade. Silver prices broke out just ahead of the March market swoon to 18.88 ounce and crashed to 11.77 in late March before recovering. Silver is, just, is up just 4% this year. Gold remains a leader among precious metals in 2020, up 18% and ahead of the S&P 500 index over the last 12 months with a 28% rally. Commodities have managed to recover smartly off the late March lows, up 31%, though still in a long-term secular bear market since peaking in 2008. The prospect of a weaker dollar should be, should be supported, combined with a gradual global economic recovery in 2021. We have raised our outlook from bearish to neutral in July for commodities. As mentioned in the um, podcast trailer earlier this month, uh, we are an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Montreal, Canada. We offer overseas solutions for American citizens in Europe, Switzerland and Austria. We hope you find this uh, podcast interesting and if you would like to send any questions, please do so 
or send me, Thomas Fisher, an email if you would be interested in our portfolios and our market outlook on a regular basis. I can inform you that our precious metals program, a fully managed program, is up 26% year to date. Uh, and then with a low minimum of just $100,000. You can have this portfolio in Europe with one of our private banks. We even offer a physical gold storage at those banks. So if you're interested, send me an email on fisher56 at mac.com. That's fisher, F-I-S-C-H-E-R, 56 at mac, M-A-C dot com. Thank you very much for listening and I look forward to forwarding the next podcast uh, next month.